This sermon was recorded at Church of the Ascension, an Anglican parish in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, whose mission is to be a worshipping community that equips God's people and shares Christ's healing with a broken world. For more information, please visit ascensionpittsburgh.org. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word again to us this morning. Give us ears to hear, minds to understand, hearts to receive, and wills to do that which you call us to. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> On the surface, our short passage from Luke's Gospel this morning with the account of the healing of the ten lepers seems pretty straightforward. A wonderful miracle of healing is combined with some good moral teaching. Always remember to say thank you. But there's a lot more in this short account, these nine verses. Yes, it is a story about miraculous healing, and yes, there is the challenge to be grateful, but there are other important lessons that we can learn from this narrative. I think this uh, story is very familiar to many of us, and so this morning I want to kind of slow down with the text and see what the Lord may have for us. There are at least six lessons from the lepers that we may learn this morning. First, this account in Jesus' life and ministry teaches us something about suffering. Verse 12, as Jesus entered a village, ten lepers approached him. Leprosy, also uh, known as Hansen's disease, is a long-term infection, which in the time of Jesus was incurable. It's a horrible disease in which you don't feel any pain. And so you're highly susceptible to injuring yourself without knowing it. Well, whether or not the 10 lepers in Luke's account had Hansen's disease or some other contagious skin disease, in Jesus' day, those afflicted in these ways faced terrible suffering. They suffered not only from the physical consequences of the disease, but even more because how, of how they were treated socially as outcasts and religiously as unclean. As these men approached Jesus, Luke tells us they kept their distance, as unclean people were required to do. They didn't dare come close to ask for help, so they call out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And this, we're told, all takes place between, or in the region between Samaria and Galilee. And we learn later in the story that one of the ten was indeed a Samaritan. You know, suffering is a great leveler. Normally, Jews would have no dealings with a Samaritan. They hated each other. But it seems that what they shared in their common suffering was greater than that which drove them apart. And this is still true very often today. In a hospital ward, those suffering the ravages of illness may be rich or poor, Christian or Muslim, from homes that are mansions or homeless. Regardless of your socioeconomic background, couples whose marriages are falling apart 
Parents who grieve kids who have turned their backs on them or God. Those who face isolation or feel rejected all discover that suffering is no respecter of persons. Perhaps nowhere is this seen more regularly than at an AA meeting or some other anonymous group gathering. At such a meeting, it matters not whether you arrive in a Porsche or by bus. In step one of a 12-step program, the person who is an addict admits that he or she is powerless over their addiction. It's an important step. It's a vital step. Indeed, without starting there, an addicted person has little hope of recovery. And it is the same for every human being as we stand before God in the grip of our own addictions to sin, selfishness, and rebellion. And so we can learn from these lepers this morning. We, like them, can be humble, not thinking of ourselves as better than others, but acknowledging our common humanity regardless of background or status. When it comes to our standing before God, the place on which we stand is level ground. The scriptures teach us that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Sometimes it takes common suffering for us to realize that. But I hope that we will not wait for that suffering. So that's the first lesson. Five more to go. They're not, some of them are a bit shorter. It's okay. The second lesson from this account of the healing of the ten lepers is about prayer. The group of ten men said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. The cry of the lepers can also be translated, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. I wonder when was the last time we asked anyone to have pity on us? Pitiful is typically a kind of bad word, and asking for pity or begging for mercy is seen as a sign of weakness. Usually the last thing we want from others is, is their pity. And yet, when we come before God, that is exactly what we need. We need his mercy for our own goodness, your own goodness. Let me just tell you about your own goodness. Okay, well, talk about mine. My, my goodness. It's pitiful. It's pitiful. We need our master, Jesus, to have pity on us for our unworthiness. And so I, I ask you, are you willing to cry out to Jesus to have mercy and compassion on you? I wonder how often are you afraid to be vulnerable with others because of fear of how they might judge you or treat you or look down on you? Well, when the lepers cried out to Jesus, Jesus did not judge them or look down on them. Indeed, he was moved to compassion and he healed them. Their plea in that plaintive cry is similar to what many know today as the Jesus prayer. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner.
Let me say that again. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Would you say that with me? Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. That is a good prayer. It's a very basic prayer. It's a very powerful prayer. A prayer that we can pray anytime, anywhere. It's a prayer that may come out of the depths of failure or suffering. It's a prayer of humility. A prayer that Jesus is happy to hear and respond to. May we, like the lepers, be people who pray. When all is going well, it can be easy to forget to pray. And ironically, in times of desperation, even the most cynical person may cry out to God. Now, I don't think, I don't believe we're meant to go around being miserable and desperate, and yet we would do well to remember just how weak and helpless we truly are without God's help, and just how great is our need for his mercy and his grace. 19th century English bishop J.C. Ryle writes, if saints, and by that he, I think he means Christians, but you know, if saints could only see their souls as the ten afflicted lepers saw their bodies, they would pray far better than they do. So the account of the ten lepers teaches us first about suffering, secondly about prayer, and thirdly about faith. After the men ask for mercy, Jesus tells them to go and show themselves to a priest. And note this, they still had leprosy at that point. It was as they went that they were cured. And that meant believing against the evidence, they had leprosy, and trusting Jesus. Then as they went, the evidence changed before them. And that's almost a definition of faith. Uh, trusting in what we cannot prove. In Hebrews uh, chapter 11, verse 1, it's faith is described as the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. If we want everything to be plain and clear before we take a step of faith, well, then that's not really faith. That's just certainty. Faith is trust, even when we don't understand, even when we cannot see the way ahead, the way ahead. It is trust in God, trust in his goodness, trust in his power, trust in his wisdom and love, which, by the way, is not the same as our own made-up trust in the particular outcome that we want. It's trust in him. Well, in the story... As a well-known part of the story, only one comes back to thank Jesus. But all of them had enough faith to go to the priests. That was what you did in those days to be declared uh, clean again, not unclean. That's why that's there. But they all did that. So they all had sufficient faith to go. Maybe they were desperate. Whatever the reason, they go. So the account of the ten lepers teaches us about suffering about prayer, about faith, and fourthly, 
about gratitude. All ten were healed, but only one says thank you. Luke tells us, verse 15, one of them, when he saw that he had been healed, turned back, according to our children, said, hooray, praised God with a loud voice. And I think it's important that we note this was not some British reserve, slightly embarrassed, awfully grateful Jesus. Thank you ever so much. (laughs) No, he is shouting his praises. And with complete abandon, he prostrates himself at Jesus' feet and thanks him. There's nothing reserved in that picture. It reminds me of that time when a woman anointed Jesus' feet with a jar of expensive perfume. It was completely over the top. It was extravagant. Why? Because that woman, like the tenth leper, knew that she was in desperate need of help, of healing, of forgiveness, of of, of, of wholeness, and that in and of themselves they had nothing. So when that woman or this man with leprosy received mercy, pity, forgiveness, and healing, their gratitude reflects the enormity of what Jesus had done for them. How grateful are you for what God has done for you? Perhaps it was the Samaritan alone who returned because he had a much deeper sense of what had been done for him. You know, I think it's possible that those who've been coming to church for a long time can kind of think think of themselves as being basically good people. And, And maybe you've put in a lot of time and effort and money into being a Christian. We may have given things up that we might have enjoyed. We and with this there can come a sense of entitlement. The notion that in some way we deserve to be blessed by God. Well, this story this morning reminds us that it's those who are most conscious of what's been done for them that are closest to the heart of God. Oh, that we would have this exuberant gratitude for what God has done for us. You know, the Psalms are full of many emotions, um, including desperation and sorrow and kind of almost wagging a finger at God, but they're also full of outpourings of gratitude. And our psalm this morning is is one example. Praise the Lord. Sing praises, you servants of the Lord. Oh, praise the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. From this time forth forevermore, the Lord's name be praised from the rising up of the sun to the going down of the same. And every Sunday in our services here, At the start of the Eucharistic prayer, the celebrant prays, it is right, our duty and our joy, always and everywhere, to what? Say it again. Give thanks. To give thanks to you, Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. We have so so much for which to be thankful May we increasingly be people of gratitude. Maybe you need to pray for a thankful spirit. Indeed, we can practice this right now. I invite you in silence just for a few moments to name in your hearts before God 
those things or those people for whom you are thankful to God. Let's do it. Amen. Personally, I am hugely thankful to God for you. As I look at this congregation, I see not only a large number of people gathered here, but also many people whom I have had the tremendous privilege to know. I am profoundly grateful for your generosity, your faithfulness, your kindness. And I've seen this played out as you have reached out to one another, as you have extended hospitality to strangers, as you have navigated personal suffering, as you have helped and served others. Many of you have also encouraged me, supported me, been gracious to me. Thank you, and thanks be to God. I invite you to share with someone after this service and in the coming days something or someone that you are thankful for. Okay, so we've considered suffering, prayer, faith, gratitude. The fifth lesson we learn from the lepers is all about grace. The healing of the ten lepers speaks of God's grace to everyone. The men's healing didn't depend on them coming back to Jesus to say thank you. Jesus healed them anyway. It's not as if the healing of the other nine would have been reversed if they hadn't come back. And I think it's worth just noticing that God does lots of good things for everyone, whether they acknowledge it or not, whether they acknowledge him or not. He is the creator God. Jesus said he makes his son rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. There are many, many people who are not Christ followers who are still blessed by God. One thing that we can do as Christians is be people who acknowledge what God in his grace has done for the world that he loves and what he has done for us, and that we can be those who turn back to say thank you. And whether we are Christians or not, we can take pleasure in beauty, in family, in creation, in work, in love, in friendship. These gifts are unconditional. They don't depend on us acknowledging God as our Savior, though as Christians, certainly, we want to thank God for his grace. And so this week, let us live as those who know that we are recipients of his grace, not as those who feel entitled, not taking for granted the blessings of this life. And let us be extenders of God's grace to others. And so we can love and serve our neighbors, not because our neighbors necessarily deserve our kindness, but despite the fact that they may not. That is grace. And grace is powerful. 
Okay, you've stuck with me. The last one's coming up. We've learned about suffering, about prayer, about faith, gratitude, grace, and finally, from this account, we learn about salvation. The story began with 10 men who were at a distance, but it ends with just one who comes close. The physical distance was gone for this one, but so too were the racial, religious, and cultural distances. Every barrier, every cause of separation, every kind of alienation between the one who returned and God was removed. Jesus said to him, get up and go on your way. Your faith has made you well. And literally, that translates as your faith has saved you. So while all ten were healed... In faith, only one was saved. Salvation in Christ may include healing, but it includes more than healing. It is ultimately and most importantly about being reconciled to God as we fall at his feet and worship him. Before we encountered Christ, if you have, we were like the lepers. Not that we had leprosy. Not even that we were outcasts in society. Indeed, I suspect that's not true for most people here. Many of you are upstanding citizens, well-educated, respected, liked by your friends. But without Christ, no matter what our outward appearance, inwardly we are wasting away, addicted to sin, and destined for death. No matter how connected we were in our community, we were alienated from God, the true source of our life. No matter our ethnic origin, white, African-American, Hispanic, African, Asian, before being saved through Christ, we were all aliens, foreigners, outsiders from that country called the kingdom of God. Only By the miraculous mercy and love of our Master and Savior, can we be saved and healed from our separation from God. Through Jesus' death and resurrection, God offers us the gift of salvation and of healing and wholeness and of reconciliation with God the Father. And for those who've accepted this gift of salvation, it doesn't mean that we no longer struggle with sin, temptation, or fears, or that we no longer suffer from disease and physical death. We do. But Christ is our hope beyond these temporal things. Sin and death no longer have ultimate power over us because Jesus' death and resurrection have broken the power of sin. I love in the Eucharistic prayer, we talk about trampling Satan by the power of Jesus. As we obey Jesus' command to follow him, so too are we cleansed. What a cause for celebration and an outpouring of gratitude to God. So remember the six lessons from the story of the ten lepers who were healed by Jesus. The lessons of suffering, of prayer, of faith, of gratitude of grace and of salvation. 
And each one of these is very practical. And so I exhort you, share in the sufferings of others. Pray for Jesus to have mercy on you and pray for others. Exercise your faith and practice trusting God. Live as people who are grateful and daily give thanks. Always be mindful of God's grace to you and extend that grace to others. And finally, follow Jesus, safe in the knowledge of his saving love. Amen.